are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. My dear friend, Farron Lewis, is our guest speaker, and I thank her for braving the cold and braving this unique season True. Uh, in our area to come and share her amazing life and testimony with all of us. She um, is one of those people that for me, I don't really remember what it was like at TCC without her there. And even though she hasn't been here as long as a lot of people have, um, she has made herself a part of us in such a special, wonderful way. And I want to begin by just honoring the memory of her husband, Dr. Thank you. Lonnie Lewis, was a dear friend to the Calvary Church, and his legacy and ministry True. lives on in the lives of the people that he touched here at Calvary. And I thank you oh, for you're the welcome. way you shared him with us. And I think one of the greatest things he ever did for Calvary was bring you, <laughs> was bring you to us. But you are a treasure. Oh, thank you. I you appreciate that. Truly, I do. And um, I want to begin, before I forget, tomorrow is Theron's birthday, y'all. Oh. Yes. And so I want you to just blow her up on Facebook with well wishes and happy birthdays, texts, and phone calls. Just all the attention. Because tomorrow is Theron Lewis Day. Okay? Oh, I so like you, that. You just be ready. I will be ready. All right. So here we are on Theron Eve, <laughs> the eve of your birth, all right? And I would like to begin by you just giving us your, your full name and your age, okay. your birthday, and where you were born. I am Theron Yvette Lewis. That's not right. I was a Mike before I was a Lewis. Okay. <laughs> And I am 76 tomorrow. Can you believe? And I was born in Ogden, Utah, at the Thomas D. Memorial Hospital. All right. 1944. 1944. Okay. Erin, what is your earliest memory? My earliest memory is going to the nursery school that my brother went to. He was maybe five years old, and I think that I was probably two. And I remember the teacher made me sit down away from everybody because she said that I was too little and I couldn't play with anyone. And I, I remember what I had on, and I remember what the other kids were playing. Wow. So that is my earliest memory. So, and you were about how old? Maybe two or three. Two Maybe. Three. That's impressive. I um, remember a lot of my uh, toddler years. I do. Very interesting. Tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Ogden, Utah. Okay. And... Um, I would say that my childhood was a typical middle-class childhood for a black person living in Utah at the time. Okay. So I did all the things that kids do. My mom worked and my dad worked, and um, we went to a school that was two blocks from, from our house. And uh, I had friends from all over the neighborhood. Well, some of them were my best friends, some were not. Um, my grandparents lived next door to us. And so my brother and I, we were always on that porch because we liked to perform for the neighbors. Mm -hmm. I was in the brownies. And I was also in, in a program that was called Primary. And this was for uh, elementary school-aged children, and it was sponsored by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
But my mother was into, if it's positive, you will do it. So, um, and, I, and I sang. I started singing when I was four years old, thanks to my grandfather. And so I sang every Sunday morning in church. I sang on Tuesday for the prayer band. And I sang on Friday for junior church. And then I sang for whatever was going on. That was my job, was to sing. So that was my childhood. So you were never... uh doesn't sound like you were a shy child. You, you enjoyed performing. I did, but I was, uh, I was quiet. You were okay when I wasn't doing these things. I because I was very introspective, and and I would say that I was quiet because I was always thinking of things that I could write about. Okay. So um, I was never afraid to be in front of people. I will okay. say that. Okay. That I was courageous in in that, but I didn't like for people to pin me down, like you're doing, and ask me a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you be my friend, and this is over. But that's because I was a child. Okay. And okay. Uh, mm-hmm. so it was that. I'm not like that now, but okay. but as a child, I was just like 500 questions a minute was just in my mind. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would say that. I had good friends. I, I grew up during the time of polio. I will tell you that about my childhood. Okay. And, and uh, how growing up, not in the church, but with the church, how it helped me, helped my friends. One of my best friends um, had polio, but she was in an iron lung, which was a mm. cylinder that you were in. And the only thing that was out was your head and a mirror so you could see yourself and you could see people behind you. And my heart was broken because nobody would come to see her. And so um, I used to tell her stories and sing to her and read to her. And I always remembered, even though she was in that iron lung, she was always peaceful. She never complained. She um, wasn't able to get the, the polio shot. It was too late for her. But this, this girl was, was like my best friend mm-hmm. in the whole world because of her circumstance. I had another best friend, too. Mm-hmm. But um, she softened my heart. I will say that because I was selfish wow. to some degree because I was spoiled. And she softened me. And I, I will say that about my, my childhood friendships. She taught me how to be a friend as a child, I will wow, say. What a gift. So um, I will always remember her for that, that uh, sure. the lesson that came, and I was still in elementary school, and it's like, well, you just can't be mean to people. Yeah, so. sure. Now, do you have any siblings? I do have siblings. I have uh, a younger sister, and I had an older brother. My older brother is deceased, and my sister lives in Georgia. Okay. Uh, What was your uh, family like growing up? Church. Church? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think most of us know what you're saying, but elaborate just a little bit. Okay, I will elaborate. My grandfather uh, was sent to Utah to establish uh, a church of God in Christ there. Okay. And uh, long story short, my mom met my dad. They got married and all that mm-hmm. and wound up in in Utah. Okay. And so I grew up, I grew up with the church. I was born into it. Um, what can I say? So my activities were church-centered, all, all of my activities, okay. um, and my brother. And when my sister came along, her too. So, so I was the singer for the church, the okay. denomination. The, I was the church soloist, 
the state soloist. Uh, my brother was the state choir director. Um, wow. I was, uh, my brother and I, we were king and queen of the chair. And that is, um, they give you the, the, the they'd say uh, John 3.16 and you knew it, just like we do here. Oh, yeah. Bible it was the same teach. thing. Okay. And uh, we'd be, we would beat out everybody. Aaron, I didn't know you were a Bible quizzer. <laughs> just one of many reasons why you fit in so and well. And we, uh, we always uh, put the most money in Sunday school okay. because my mother would make fudge on, on Friday, and okay. then we would sell it in the neighborhood on Saturday. For the purpose of giving it in the offering? For, for giving it in the offering at Sunday school. That's amazing. So that we always put the most money in because uh, we were the Mike children. Okay. We were Elder Mike's grandchildren. Okay. We were Sister Mike Jr.'s son and daughter. Okay. And so we had a standard that we had to live yes. up to. Yes. So um, I was at every revival. In those days, a revival was anywhere from a week to a month or two because uh, you had to be prayed through. So that was my childhood. I did my homework on a bench in the back of the church, <laughs> and we had pillows in case you brought you needed, your own pillow? Yes, in case you fell asleep. Smart. I should have done that. But during altar call, yeah. all bets were off. If okay. you were not saved, you needed to at least be on the altar. Okay. This is old. This is old church. Like I, I love old, hearing about in, old church in the old days. Okay. So uh, you know everybody needed to be saved, and if you were not saved, even as a child, this was my childhood that I'm telling y'all about. All right. If you were not saved, you couldn't participate in any of the activities. Oh wow! You know, you okay. needed to tarry for the Holy Ghost. Okay. Well, and tarrying meant. It meant you you just kept on until you till you came through. Okay. But you must tarry. I mean, you couldn't just you you couldn't just hamakashunala and that was it. <laughs> no, they were well, no, no, mm-mm. no. That's not tarry. No. Okay. <laughs> but you at least had to be saved. All right. You had to be. All right. So we we were all saved. Mm. Did we backslide? Yes. But did we come back? Yes. Because we wanted to participate in the church activity because that was our life. Now, my mother, uh, she allowed us to go to the movies because she didn't see any harm in that. So, so, um, and because of my love of the arts. Yes. So we could go to the movies, my brother and I. I know he got tired of me, but I went anyway. <laughs> so, we, but there were only movies that we could go see. There were certain movies that we could not see. Okay. Uh, the old church didn't necessarily like that. Okay. When I got in high school, they didn't want us wearing the wearing the gym clothes, mm. which my mother didn't agree with. She's like, well, you know. <laughs> but they saw that. It was too worldly okay. to take off our clothes and put on the gym clothes. Well, the gym clothes then and the gym clothes now, you were fully covered. Okay. From your knees up and, and elbow. Okay. You know. hmm. um, so my mother, she was, no, you have to participate. So uh, um, I would say that we were entertainers. We were constantly uh, writing plays. My mother wrote an opera. Uh, on the life of Christ. Really? And uh, Wow. So that was really my childhood and my friends. I, Vivian, Vivian Larson lived next door to me, and we used to play in the alleyway between our houses. We were friends until she got married. Okay. Before I got out of high school. Mm-hmm. So these are precious um Memories, mm-hmm. I will say, as I look back. Sure. Uh, being, being a sanctified child and going to the sanctified church 
made me a standout because all my other friends were either Baptists or Methodists. And here we were, these uh, alleged holy rollers, which on Sunday night, they would, in the summer, they would stand in the window and look at us because we didn't have air conditioning. My grandfather built a church. Okay. And so they would come and stand because they wanted to hear the music. Okay. They wanted to hear the sure. music sure. and they wanted to see the shouting. Okay. Even though they didn't understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, but they wouldn't come in because they were afraid. And so as a child, trying to explain to another child what, what this was, was difficult for me. Because in some ways, I didn't really understand. I just knew that this is who I was. And, and no matter what happened, this is what it was going to be for me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really go to other churches because they, they wasn't doing nothing over there. Mm-hmm. So did you remain in the church as I, an adult? or I did not. Okay. I did not. I backslid, uh, I would say at least two or three times I did. I I did I I I would say honestly that I got tired of it of of the church of the mean? church okay I understood what my life was where the Lord was concerned but I wanted I wanted something else I wanted to know what was out there in the world that's what I wanted and it was uh, painful. Painful in my heart and painful in my spirit because I always knew that I was special to God because I'd been taught that. And the Bible, you know, had told me that because Jesus loves me. That was the first song I sang. And that was the whole essence. So I knew that I was a child of God, but I didn't know if I could come back. I will say that. I will say I wasn't sure of that. And I was young, and I wanted to know what was out there. How did you find your way back? Through horrible experiences, really experiences that uh, I actually broke my own heart, if there's such a thing. It, horrendous things that I, that I did. Um, I, I, I never drank because I didn't like it and because my father drank. Mm. And, and uh, so I, didn't, I would drink and, and, and it would always make me sick. Well, I didn't realize that that was the Lord. And, the, I, and let me say, sometimes God will, will teach you lessons and you don't know their lessons. You're just thinking, well, you know, I just know I shouldn't be doing that. Mm. And uh, I know that I was heartbroken. Mm. And I knew that if I didn't change myself, mm-hmm. that I, I wouldn't live, and God wouldn't like me anymore. I felt that because it, it, I could say that my life was ugly, but there were things that I would not do. There was, it's like you have a horse and you have the reins and you're like, whoa. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Don't step over that line. And I know that comes from, it comes from all those Sunday school lessons and all those prayers and uh, all that uh, prophecy over my life, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. I will say that. Mm -hmm. And I uh, needed to find a way back. Mm-hmm. Because I was out there. I mean, I was uh, out there. I I will also say that I had come back to the church, and Lonnie and I got married, and then he went to jail two weeks after we got married. Mm. Well, all of my everything went out the window. 
just every, all of my, everything that I thought marriage would be was gone. And I just lost my mind, literally. So was it a shock to you when he went to jail? It was yes. it something you anticipated? No, I had you no. You didn't know about that part of I his life? I or? didn't know anything about that part of his life. Okay. I, I'm like, what? Wow. Who are you? Right. So were you in church when you and Lonnie got married? I was, but he, I was still in Utah. Okay. And I called him on the phone and told him, don't you think we ought to get married? And he said, yes, I do. When are you coming? And I flew here two days later. So how did you and Lonnie meet there? We met in my hometown. He was there working a summer job. And that's how we met. I was sitting on my front porch, and he passed by. And <laughs> the rest is history. The rest is history. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a child together, and he left. And uh, I didn't feel as I didn't feel bad about it. I should have. Because it's like, this is Sister Mike Jr. Mm-hmm. This is Theron Mike here. She's pregnant. Dun, da, da, da. What do we do now? I'm out of school. My goal was to, was to finish college. That didn't work out because I had a child to support. And I didn't want, I didn't want my mom mm-hmm. to do that. You know, because mm-hmm. she, of course, was brokenhearted. I, I would say that this, the whole process of Lonnie and me was um, a part of God's plan, but not the plan we thought it was going to be. I'll say it like that, because he went in a whole nother direction, and I was not willing mm-hmm. to go with him and I was honest with him about that I'm like I will not live this life goodbye to you are you talking about when he went to jail okay on on several occasions oh okay okay (laughs) like no I'm not that woman okay you know I'm Mm -hmm. I I was just honest with him I said I know there are women out there and they will go with you to jail I'm not doing that Mm. no so so did did you guys separate or divorce or? Well, I filed for a divorce and sent him the papers, and that and 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 that was it. Okay. And then I went on with my life. I I moved here. You moved to Cincinnati. I moved to Cincinnati because I needed to get away from Ogden, Utah, because my life was going nowhere fast, and I had made this confession to myself if you don't change you are not going to live and I uh, one of the churches there was open I will never forget this there's always a time when God just says this is it it's now or never for you decide and the church was open, and I, I knew the pastor of that church. He was a really good man. And I saw his car in the parking lot, and I went in, and he was in his office. And I went in, and I told him, I don't know what to do. I don't. I have no idea what to do, but help me. Wow. Because I don't know what to do. Mm. And I'm lost. And if I stay here, I will, I will, I will be dead. And at that, by that time, I had uh, two children. It's like, and my mm. life is zero. And he looked at me and he said, "Well, you are a child of God. Know that." Know that first. Know that uh, the Lord will forgive you, but can you forgive yourself? 
And can you pray for the strength to forgive yourself? And that was really the the beginning of my own redemption, to be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, Theron, you are going to be okay. Mm. The word says that you're going to be okay. He gave me a Bible. He said, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you in here, let's open this up and this. Okay, now we read this here. And then when you get through, read that. He said, I want you to take this Bible. And every time the enemy comes into your head and in your spirit and tells you all the things that you are not, open this book and just read. Just do that. And if you don't understand Ask for understanding. And that was uh, the beginning of, okay, I'm going to live for the Lord, Mm -hmm. and that's going to be me. All right. And uh, that's what I did. I I always had a hard time fasting. Well. Because I was a, uh, I can't say I was a foodie, but I, you know, there's just certain things I wanted to eat. Mm-hmm. But he did tell me, he said, you know, uh, do something for the Lord that's really hard for you to do. And I thought, giving up food, mm-hmm. you know, willingly. Mm-hmm. And he said, go through that process. Get an understanding of what fasting is. Don't just do it because the Bible says fast and pray because everybody says fast and pray. So he was, uh, for me logical okay and if you if you have decided that you're going back Mm -hmm. to be with the lord then you got to go step by step so that it works for you Mm -hmm. because what's the point what is the point of being here and it's not working Mm -hmm. so there you go how much time elapsed before you and Lonnie reconnected, and how did that happen? Well, ooh, 25, almost 30 years, maybe. Maybe. So who, who mm-hmm. reached out to who? I reached out because uh, at that point I was uh, working in Kansas City, uh, Missouri. Okay. And I had decided, okay, I'm tired of working. I'm going to retire. But I better find out where this divorce decree and all this stuff is. So I called our son, and I said, the next time you hear from your dad, tell him to give me a call. I need to talk to him. And maybe that was on a, a Tuesday, maybe, or a Thursday or something. And he called that evening. Dr. Lonnie, he's a smart man. He did. He called, and uh, I said, well, I need I need a copy of the, of the divorce. And he was like, well, there is none. We're still married. And I was like, what do you mean? Oh, oh my goodness. It's okay. And I, I said, well, how can that be? He said, because I didn't file them. I, hey, well, so oh I didn't God. ask him why. I didn't. I'm like, okay. So we're still married. He said, we are. And I said, so what do you want to do? He said, well, we can try to work it out or we can, do, let's, we can talk and see what's going on. But I need to see you. And I'm like, okay. Wow. So, uh, so we talked maybe for about a week, maybe two weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, and he sent me flowers and all this. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So... And he told me basically what his life was and what he was doing. And he said, and he said they don't know that I'm married. And I'm like, okay, that ought to that ought to set the church up. Everybody said, well, I remember like, oh. when we when we got the news that Lonnie was married, we were like, what? How do we not know? I told him, I said, I said, so okay, that made everybody sit up in church. <laughs> and so um, I think maybe well. It might have been that third week when he he flew out to Kansas City. 
and spent the weekend, and we talked, and we decided that we should probably be together. But we needed to renew these vows that we had made. Sure. That we couldn't just jump into it because uh, he had been living a different life, and, and so had I. Mm. And Nancy, his sister, had told me that he was in church and everything and it was just wonderful and it was beautiful and praise the Lord. And I'm, I'm so happy for him. Hallelujah. Because when, when I say that the Lord saved this man and filled him with the Holy Ghost, people have no idea truly who this man really was. Could you tell the people who don't know a little bit about Lonnie? Well, he um, was a heroin addict for over 35 years. He was. He began um, probably in college. He, Lonnie was always very brilliant. Very brilliant. Brilliant? Really brilliant. Smart man. Um, but he was addicted to heroin. He loved it. He didn't just like it. He loved it. Mm. It was his thing. He absolutely, I knew what heroin was, but I'd, I'd never been exposed to that. When we got married, he was using. I didn't know that. I thought he was just tired. I didn't know that he was nodding out. I didn't know that. So I'm thinking, okay, he's just tired. So when I found out, I'm like, oh my God. Okay. So he goes to, he, you know, he went to prison the first time because he was disobedient. They released him and said, if you do A, we'll do B. Well, he didn't want to do that. So they sent him back. Mm. And then he went back again and again and again and again. And I uh, told myself that I wasn't going to go through that. Um, but he was, he was a poster child for heroin addiction, truly. With all his brilliance, the fact that he continued his college education while in prison mm -hmm. and, and came out of all of this with a, with a Ph.D. is amazing. But he continued his education even though he was shooting up. He still did that. Um, he, uh, I will say that because of his addiction, I, it didn't harden him, but it caused him to only see his own needs and nobody else's, which is what happens with an addiction. Um, so when we decided that, that we would try our marriage, I had a lot of questions about how this was going to work sure. because of the, the years of separation. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know him. I knew him. I knew how I felt about him and how I had always felt. I had always loved him. I could never release that. I did try honestly, but he always came back in my heart, in my spirit, always. It was always Lonnie Lewis. Mm. And, um, but I had questions. Sure. So watching him being this new person, I needed to be sure that he was okay, you know, and I would ask him silly questions like, okay, so, so who was, who, who were you dating? Who was your girlfriend? And he told me heroin was my girlfriend. Well, that shut that down. I, you know, it was like, I, no, mm -hmm. you know, for him to say in all of that, you have been the only person ever. Wow. And I'm like, but, and I thought, but, but it wasn't enough. And I couldn't compete with the drug. So we worked it out. 
God said that we would work it out. The Lord said they will work it out. I will see to it. And so we, I came for a visit because I came to his church. Mm-hmm. And um, was it was it this building or was it the other building? No, it was right there, okay. sitting right down there. Okay. I came. Okay. And everybody was checking me out, saying, "This is who is this woman with our Lonnie?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was our Lonnie. You're right. <laughs> Yeah. And 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 that's the look. Like so, <laughs> who is she? Mm-hmm. With Arlani. Hmm. Let's check her out. Make sure she's okay. And he did ask me. He said. He said, "Well, are you back in church?" I said, "Yes, I am." And he said. He said, "Well, that's good because uh, that's important to me." And I said, "It's important to me too." I said, "It's important that we live our life." as people who realize that without God, we could do nothing. We would have never, ever come back together, ever, if, if God had not planned that. I had always said that I would never get married again. I'd always said that. I, I said I had one husband, and that's the only one I'll ever have. Mm-hmm. Well, I know now that God's plans don't change. Yours do. All right. And so um, we were blessed to to have almost 10 years together, which was a blessing. Um, we, we, we got to know each other. That was important. You know, he didn't know me. You know, I often had to remind him that I was an adult. <laughs> oh. Okay. Because we were the same age. Oh. Okay. You know, he was in December and I was, he's in no, in January, me December. And I have to remind him, excuse me, but we are the same age. <laughs> and they'll be bossing me around. Okay. You know, I had to remind him on of that. Because occasionally he would forget that. Okay. You know, and I'd have to remind him. Mm-hmm. But he was very accommodating. Uh, I will say that he was very accommodating, uh, no matter what. Mm-hmm. I think that we maybe had maybe three disagreements, serious disagreements, like serious. But neither one of us would leave. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Um, I didn't realize how many lives he had touched, really. When did you realize? At his memorial service, when I saw these people that I'd never seen before. There were a lot of people here. There were a lot of people here, people that he talked to or he touched their lives some, somehow. I remember his students were here. Because he was always doing that, you know. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you've done it, too, uh, with your husband. At some point, you say you cannot always bring it home at some point there has to be a, a, a stop we're eating dinner or we're talking or we're relaxing you just and you know I did have to do that because it was constant phone calls mm. and, and I said you you either have to have office hours you do but you you cannot do this every day all day into the evening uh, I said we have to have a time when you're when you're off, and so he he did accommodate that. But then he would also tip out. Mm. Well, I'll be back. I got to go to the church. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. There's been a phone call. Yeah. Or something. I'm sure. Yeah. So. So that was him. That was us. We we made it uh, through the will of the Lord. Yes. Uh, that's how we made it. I was fortunate enough to come here and be told by your father, mm-hmm. you are one of us. So whatever I might have been thinking about going to another church, that went out <laughs> immediately. <laughs> it, it just like, no. Yeah, he let you know that that's it, not an option That's here. not an option here. And I was like, okay with that. And he also told me that he couldn't remember a time when 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 I wasn't here. It seemed like I'd always been here. And I said, it feels like that to me. And this was odd for me. Hmm. 
because I'd only gone to uh, churches where it was all African-American people. So that was odd for me, considering uh, my background. Sure. Uh, but I also felt the love, uh, like real pure love, because everybody says, you know, and we love you, but there's a big difference. And I don't want to call it Calvary love, because that wouldn't be Ooh, nice. but I like that. But that's, like that. but that's what it is. It's, <laughs> it is. It's a Calvary love thing that happens here uh, for people walking in the door, not just coming to visit, but when you walk in the door, it doesn't overwhelm you, but it, it comes on you so mm -hmm. that you know you're in the Calvary love house. So just uh, know that. Well, I appreciate you saying that, so, and we're a better church because you're a part of us. I'm glad to, I, you know, I'm glad to be here because it has, it, Calvary saved my life, literally. I don't know any other way to say it. I, I still don't know what I would have done. I still, to this moment, don't know what I would have done without Calvary, truly. Um, it's like a beehive and all of a sudden you're surrounded by all these bees. The queen, there, boom, we got you. <laughs> well, since we're talking about Calvary, um, obviously you've, you've lived a while, you've been in church a long time, you've seen some things and you've gone through some challenging times in your life. And in the context of the year that we've all survived mm -hmm. up to this point, what would you say to your church family right now to encourage them or just something that the Lord has shown you through your experiences that you think could help us right now? I would say to, to my church family, not only does God know who you are and whose you are, but he knows what you are mm. and what you're going through and how difficult it may be. But there's a joy in knowing that out of all of this that is going on, you are rocked in the cradle of his love and mm. that no matter what is being said on the outside, you are sheltered. You are not distanced from him. Mm -hmm. He has cleaned you up and washed you as white as snow. And no matter, no matter what people say, and those times when you feel separated, because I have felt that, uh, when you feel lonely, know that you are not alone, that there's a big difference. You are never alone, because he said, I will never leave you. Never, ever. Pick up the phone, and if you say, well, nobody called me, well, call them. And say, you know, I was feeling lonesome today. What you doing? Let's talk about it. Let's pray together. Let's, let's just talk with each other. If there's something going on that you don't understand, and you, if there's somebody in our church that you know has a better understanding Ask them the questions. Mm. Say, I'm not clear about this. Help me out. Because sometimes it's not food, money, clothes. Sometimes it's something that you read in the Word, something that you heard on the news, something that some, someone in your family said, and you just don't really understand how does that relate to my situation with the pandemic. Talk about it. Talk mm. about your fears. Mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, if you have people that are sick and you lay hands on them and you can't do it physically, mm -hmm. but you can lay your spiritual hands on each other because the Lord equipped us to do that. I believe that. Otherwise, uh, Jesus will still be here laying hands on people. But he equipped us to be able to do that spiritually. So that's what I, I encourage you to, to do that. To, to lay hands on, on people. 
especially, you know, we as sisters and brothers in Christ, we have to uh, put down those barriers. No yes. matter what is going on in the world, we are in the world but not of it. We are. We are Christians, not Christians. And for us to just remember that uh, there's so much joy in knowing that one day mm. we shall be with him. To just know that. You think about those jewel streets and, man, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. This pandemic don't have nothing on us. This, that's what I'm saying. Amen. I'll, I receive it. Oh, Calvary receives that word. It's so. a good word there. Thank well, you. I um, I thank you again for being with us. And your voice in our church is so important and so treasured. And when you're not here, I miss hearing your voice and your incredible example of worship and faithfulness through some very difficult times. Praise God. Your your example is a treasure to our church. And um, I could keep talking to you for a long time. (laughs) I just, I love you. I, I love your testimony and who you are, who God made you to be. And um, I, I thank God that he sent you to Calvary and all that you have added to us. But I would like for Theron to pray uh, for us as we close uh, tonight's Growth University. I would do that. I would say to the Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to wake up this morning with the joy of knowing that you are with us, that you have blessed us, that the very air that we breathe is air that you provide, that we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for your grace We thank you for the times when you have sheltered us, not just from the cold, but from the bitterness of the world. Lord, we thank you for our children. We thank you for our husbands and our wives. We thank you for the grandbabies. We thank you, Lord, for the babies that are coming into the world, blessed because of you. Lord, we say to you, without you, we can do nothing. Know, Lord, that there is nothing that you have asked that we cannot do because you have strengthened us. You have strengthened not only our bodies, but you have strengthened our spirit. Know, Lord, that without your spirit, we could not handle any of this, that you have guided us in each and every day, that every way that we think, you have changed our thinking so that we know that it's not as bad as people say it is. We, we are your people. We are examples of the light that shines on a hill. Lord, no matter what people say when they see us, let them see that we are a guiding light in the world, that we live by our testimony, that it is through the test of time that you have brought us through, Lord. Lord, we ask you for healing. Heal those, Lord, that are weary. Heal those that are in mourning. Heal those that are having problems with their families and don't know what to do. Heal those that are afraid to open their mouths and worship you. Heal those, Lord, that don't know where to go and who to turn to. Heal those that are drinking and don't know how to stop. Heal those that are using drugs and they don't know how to get out of it. Heal those that need clothes and don't know where to get them from. Heal the children that are out there hungry. Heal, Lord, so that they can find a meal to eat. Lord, let us be thankful that we have food. And not just food that feeds our bodies, but the food of your word. That without your word, Lord, we could do nothing. It strengthens us. Lord, I ask you to remind each of us that without you, we have nothing. 
We are grateful, Lord, for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who came and saved not just me, but the whole world. God, I thank you. I'm thankful for this moment. Lord, thank you for the leadership of this church, this Calvary, this place, the love that you have planted in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I am so glad that I am here. I am so glad that you dried my tears, and when I have tears, you let me show that without you, I could not bear anything. God, this prayer is just to let you know that I don't know if I could make another day if I didn't have the Lord in my life. I pray for each and every member of this church. I stretch my hands out and touch each of you, and I say, Lord, Lord, heal those weary spirits. Heal them, Lord. Give them strength. Let them be safe as they travel on the road to work. Let their jobs not get on their nerves because jobs can do that, but let them go in with a new vigor. Let them go and meet people and give them their testimony. Strengthen us, Lord, so that we can tell people how good you are and what you've done for us. It is my testimony that changes people. And it is you, Lord, you, God, that changes everything. Let our faith be strong, strong as it was in the old church, strong as it is now. Let the world know that we are strong in our faith. We will not forsake each other. We will not do that. Let us be strong and not be fooled by all the words and all the songs. All the singing is good. But we praise you with our life. Yes, Lord. We praise you, Lord, with our life, with our goodwill, with our love. We praise you and we thank you. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for that. Love you all so much and pray for your health and safety. Hope to see you either in service or online on Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for being with us tonight. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, Thanks for listening.